0: Um, in our studies of Genesis and of Jacob. And um, the reading today comes from Genesis chapter 35, all of it. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there. And maybe I should use glasses. Then God said to Jacob, Go up to Bethel and settle there, and build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods they had and the rings in their ears And Jacob buried them under the oak at Shechem. Then they set out, and the terror of God fell upon the towns all around them, so that no one pursued them. Jacob and all the people with him came to Luz, that is, Bethel, in the land of Canaan. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel, because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died and was buried under the oak below Bethel, so it was named Alan Becuth. After Jacob returned from Padamaram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. God said to him, "Your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel." So he named him Israel. And God said to him, "I am God Almighty." Be fruitful and increase in number. A nation and a community of nations will come from you, and kings will come from your body. The land I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I also give to you, and I will give this land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him at the place where he had talked with him. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also, he also poured oil on it. Jacob called the place where God had talked with him, Bethel. Then they moved on from Bethel. While they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, for you have another son. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben-Oni but his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Over her tomb, Jacob set up a pillar, and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb. Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond Migdal Eda. While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilal, and Israel heard of it. Jacob had 12 sons, the sons of Leah, Reuben, the firstborn of Jacob, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar and Zebulun, the sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin, the sons of Rachel's maidservant, Bilal, Dan and Naphtali, the sons of Leah's maidservant, Zilpah, Gad and Asher. These were the sons of Jacob who were born to him in Padan Aram. Jacob came home to his father Isaac in Memorah near Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had stayed. Isaac lived 180 years, then he breathed his last and died, and was gathered to his people old and full of years, and his son Esau and Jacob buried him.
1: No. Thanks, Coraline. Morning, everybody. And happy anniversary, church. And Wasn't that a fantastic baptism that we saw as well? What a change God brings into a person's life when we open our hearts to him. Isn't it amazing? And we're privileged to have three of our eight grandchildren with us this morning as well. So uh, that's a real privilege. They're beautiful, aren't they? Grandkids, gorgeous yes aren't they daryl yes of course you (laughs) especially yours yeah so we have sienna samuel and lewis with us this morning let's uh let's pray father we thank you for a beautiful day Uh, beautiful in so many ways beautiful the fact that you are a beautiful saviour and you do amazing, beautiful things in people's hearts. And we just want so long, uh, we long so much for you to continue to do those good things in all of our lives. And we thank you for the privilege that we have that we can be here so free and open and compre- and, and profess our faith and demonstrate our faith through baptism and the public gathering of worship and celebration of being able to sit under your word. And, and so we pray that you'll continue to bless us, Lord, as your spirit just moves amongst us do your work father do that amazing work that only you can do in each of our hearts as we open ourselves to this amazing scripture that you've given us recorded in your word and it's there for a purpose help us we pray as we seek your face now and listen to what you say to us we pray in Jesus name amen well as Coralie said we we've uh, as we come to the 35th chapter of Genesis. And we continue our journey with Jacob, and what a journey it's been. And uh, as we continue this journey with Jacob, I, I just—I got to say—it reminded me of a song that I heard about many, many years ago as a young Christian. It was by Andre Crouch. Who's heard of Andre Crouch and the Disciples? See, not many of them. you haven't been around, folks. Um, Andre Crouch and the Disciples. He—and I didn't realize he died back in two thousand fifteen what a great man of God he was, and uh, I think he used to play at the Billy Graham Crusades and things like that, but uh, this, uh, this song, and I still have it on an LP, who knows what an LP is, <laughs> yay, you know, a big fat CD, <laughs> um, but listen, the words of this song are absolutely amazing, and they do minister, they minister to me even now, and they did back then, they're just so encouraging, it was called Take Me Back, He wrote it up and he says, Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back, take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. I've got to keep reading it. I feel that I'm so far from you, Lord, but still I hear you calling me. Those simple things that I once knew, their memories keep drawing me. I must confess, Lord, I've been blessed but yet my soul's not satisfied. Renew my faith, restore my joy, and dry my weeping eyes. Take me back. It's a beautiful song. As I said, it's a great song that God used to uh, and still does. Christian music, some aspects of Christian music are magnificent, and they minister to us even today. But it's interesting as I thought about those words, because to me it describes where Jacob is in this passage. Des- describes where he is in his own life right now Warren Worsby I like as you've probably heard I, I enjoy his stuff and um, he says this about Jacob's personal circumstances in this chapter he says this when a person is backslidden as Jacob was that's interesting isn't it yep uh, there's nothing else for him to do but to go back to the place of dedication and renew his vows Isn't that true? Um, It was true for Jacob. Where else was he to go? I mean, where to go to avoid Esau? Where to go to avoid the possible retaliation of the Canaanites and the Perizzites after Jacob's sons had so brutally killed those responsible for violating their sister Dinah in chapter 34? Where to go to avoid any more contact with good old Uncle Laban? You know, where do you go when there's nowhere else to go? God, full of grace, mercy, and covenant faithfulness, once again breaks into the mess that we humans are so proficient at creating. And he speaks to Jacob again. In chapter 35, verse 1. Then God said to Jacob, go up to Bethel and settle there. And build an altar there to God who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. Jacob's vow to God at the place that he had named, that Jacob had named Bethel, back in chapter 28, verses 18 to 22, needed to be fulfilled his vow needed to be fulfilled because he hadn't done it. Um, In fact, when God appeared to Jacob in in Haran, it's interesting that God called himself the God of Bethel. The God of Bethel. Chapter 31, verse 13 says this, I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me, now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. So once more, God of patience, and I think with a, with, a, with a tone of reproof, reminds Jacob again in chapter 35, go back. Go back to Bethel, Jacob, and fulfill your outstanding obligation that you made to me. According to one commentator, it had been eight to ten years since Jacob had lobbed, had, had returned to, ja- to Canaan. He'd been there for that long. And for some unrecorded reason, his early vow at Bethel remained unperformed. So what was he doing? In verse 2, finally he gets the message. So Jacob said to his household... And to all that were with him, get rid of the foreign gods you have with you and purify yourselves and change your clothes. And it's interesting. I don't know if you've picked this up. It's interesting to see that God did not say anything directly to Jacob about the foreign uh, gods in, in his household, which obviously Jacob knew about. And it would seem he just turned a blind eye to, all, uh, to, to those particular gods, including you know, all, the, all the, the, the idolatrous practices associated with those gods. Just let it all happen. Pretended it wasn't happening at all. Stuck his head in the sand. It was certainly un- unlike the time in chapter 31 when Rachel, unbeknown to Jacob, had stolen her father's household gods and hidden them. He didn't know about it. She hid them from Jacob. But in verse 2, verse 2 certainly indicates they weren't hidden now. It's interesting too that God's word, God's word arouses, and it aroused, I believe, a sense of sinful consciousness in Jacob and in the household. I believe that God does that. When you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, I believe his holiness un- un- sort of reveals our unholiness. So, and, and it had done this to Jacob and his household. Hence, the gods and, and the earrings that were worn as charms and amulets all needed to be removed from them and buried. It was time for a, a fresh start. It was time for a recommitment to the one and only true living God who does not share his glory with any other gods Isaiah 41 8 and so it was time for them to purify themselves and again this this kind of purification in, in other words getting rid of idols washing themselves changing their clothes a fresh start was also an instruction for Israel When they entered the promised land, in Joshua chapter 5, verses 1 to 9, a similar thing Joshua tells them to do. And uh, one commentator called Derek Kidner, he also says this. He said, at the same spot, possibly prompted by Jacob's example, Joshua was one day to issue a very similar call to Israel. That's in Joshua chapter 2. Sorry, chapter 24, verse 23 and following. As for this family of Jacob, they needed to go up to Bethel. It was time. They needed to leave this land at once and go back to your native land. And the lyrics of Andre Crouch's song just seem to be so pertinent here. Take me back, dear Lord, to the place where I first received you. Take me back. Take me back, dear Lord, where I first believed. Because it was where Jacob first really encountered God and put his faith in God back there. Chapter 28. Take me back. Dear friends, I wonder if that's where you could be today. Is there something resonating about what God's saying through his word here to you? You know, Because I want to, I want to encourage you. You do know, don't you, that the the Lord Jesus is waiting with open arms to welcome you back. Maybe you felt like you've backslidden. Maybe you felt that your faith's gone a little bit cold. You've gone a bit cool in your devotion. Time to come back to that first love. Time to come back to that place where you are on fire for Christ. He's waiting for you with open arms, just like the prodigal father who ran to meet his son. So God waits to meet with you. You know, and sometimes it's hard to admit that God's purity does reveal our impurity. Our present or past sins need to be confessed. They need to be repented of and buried as dead to us. Did you hear Wendy's testimony? How powerful that was. Her sins washed away, gone, buried, symbolized through a baptism. The old life gone. The new life in Christ now happening for her. Amen. Amen. Good on your wind. <laughs> yeah. Yep, and I believe that there are times when we need to get real with God, get down and recommit ourselves. A little bit more about that later on. And then we need to do, well, we do need to, need to do what Jacob did. Look at verse 3. then come and let us go to Bethel where we will build an altar to God who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone that's his testimony that's his I wonder if that's yours this morning You know, I believe that there are times when it's very appropriate and necessary to renew our commitment and our devotion to the God who has remained faithful to his promises to us, even when we so easily and so often fail in ours to him. And don't we? Really? He is faithful. He remains faithful, even when we are faithless. Even when we get it so wrong and we screw up so easily, so often, he stands there, this covenant faithful God who loves us, gave himself for us. He says, I loved you with an everlasting love. And, you know, in verse 5, just walking with me through this, verse 5 is a confirmation of this family moving now under the favour and under the protective hand of God. You start walking in obedience and you see God walking with you doesn't mean things are going to be smooth for you but you know that he's with you you know you have his favor because you're walking in obedience to his word look at verse 5 then they set out and the terror of God fell on the towns all around them so that no one pursued them because there was a heck of a lot that would pursue them otherwise with very good reason and God sent his supernatural terror upon those who otherwise certainly would have pursued them. They included the Shechemites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites. And Jacob feared that they would do those kinds of things after his sons had done this stupid thing. Yet there was some justification, but it was a stupid thing for them to do. And it was barbaric in what they did. And, uh, and Jacob feared that, that these Shechemites... And the, Cano, the perizzites that they would pursue them. They would get revenge. He feared that would happen. Genesis 34:30, 30, look at what he says. He dreaded that payback would come for what his sons had done. And this one, as far as I can tell, this is the first one of several occasions in the Old Testament when God does send a supernatural panic among the enemies of Israel so that they do start to get confused, fight amongst themselves, kill each other. And Israel gets the victory. God's hand moving powerfully, fearfully, doing that sort of stuff. And there's many instances of that throughout the Old Testament. And here the God of Bethel went before them as he still does for you and me today as we walk in his ways. He's the shepherd. He goes before his sheep. He's already there where he wants you to go. He's been there. And it's like he's come back and he says, follow me. I know the way. Indeed, I am the way. Follow Jesus. Walk with him. Follow him. proverbs this is interesting proverbs 21 and verse 1 says this the king's heart is in the hand of the lord he directs it like a watercourse wherever he pleases sovereign god kings and prime ministers and, and others who who think they're in charge well yeah but they don't know that someone bigger than them's even in bigger charge And he directs them. He will do what he does because he's got a plan. And man, all mankind are in his hands. Like it or not. <laughs> he's the sovereign God. King of, over all kings. Over every human life. Verses 6 and 7. Jacob does actually fulfill his vow to God by building an altar. They arrive back at Bethel and um, he, he fulfills his vow by building this altar to God as he promised God that he would do back in 28 verse 22 and he names the place El Bethel which means the God of Bethel so he does that and then verse 8 interesting verse 8 interesting we're introduced to Deborah um, look at verse 8 now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse Died and was buried under the oak beside Bethel, so it was named Alon Abakath. It's not known when Deborah actually left uh, her service to Rebecca's to Rebecca in Isaac's household. Remember that she was one of Isaac's uh, Rebecca's nurse, and we don't know when she actually left Isaac's household to join Jacob's household. But it's pretty clear, it seems to me, pretty clear that it's a clear sign that Rebecca had died before Jacob could be reunited with his mother again. Rebecca had gone. And it seems as if Deborah had left and joined the family household with Jacob. And I love this particular statement made by one Bible commentator about Deborah. And he says this Old nurses like Deborah, and some say, by the way, she was about 180 years old. Hey, that's getting on a bit, isn't it? So so some say, uh, sorry, old nurses like Deborah were not only honoured, but loved as mothers. And accordingly, her death was the occasion of great lamentation. Yeah. Then from verses 9 to 15, God again meets Jacob and blesses him, reminds him of his new name, Israel, that he gave Jacob as he wrestled with him. You remember that back at Peniel? The the word means to face God, means the face of God in chapter 32 of Genesis. You know, and here in chapter 35, God reaffirms the promises that he gave to Abraham and Isaac and now it's Jacob a more tried tested and more mature member of the patriarchal family and jacob responds to god by erecting a new pillar and anointing it as he had done years ago and this time unlike the time he wrestled with god this time jacob didn't have to ask god his name for god tells him clearly in verse 11 I am God Almighty, which in the Hebrew is El Shaddai, El Shaddai, the same name by which the Lord addressed Abraham back in Genesis 17 and verse 1. And my dear friends this morning, isn't it amazing? I mean, you're amazed by this, that that this God that we're reading about here, this is the same unchangeable God, the God who is the same today, yesterday, forever. This same God, the God who is and who was and who is to come. He is also the God who wants to be known by you and me. He wants us to know him. He wants to be known by you and me. And indeed, he did make himself known to you and me when he came in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and gave his life on the cross for our sins. Offering himself, offering forgiveness to us for our sins. That we might repent of those sins so that we would be with him forever. He wants to be known by you and me. He wants us to be with him forever. He's the one. He is the same one who revealed himself to Jacob. And does so to us today in Christ and after witnessing this amazing baptism and on Wendy's behalf I've got to ask you do you know him do you know this one today who can set you free bless you forgive your sin write your name in the lamb's book of life have your name written in heaven do you know him Hey, listen, there is not one single reason for any soul in this auditorium this morning not to know Jesus Christ before you walk out of here today. There is nothing, there is no power in heaven, earth, hell, anywhere else that can stop you from making your decision to follow Jesus Christ today. Did you know that? There's only one thing and it's your pride. No, I get on right with God, thank I I can get on okay. I, I don't need God in my life. It's okay for them. I'm okay. No, you're not. You're not okay. <laughs> you're far from okay. You need Jesus Christ in your life. Then from verses sixteen to twenty. Jacob's faith, yeah. And his confidence in God is tested once again. Because this time his beloved Rachel dies giving birth. What a test to go through again. Verse 18. As she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son ben Onni. But his father named him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath. That is Bethlehem and over her tomb Jacob set up a pillar and to this day that pillar marks Rachel's tomb and adding to this sadness and it was a sad shocking occasion to go through but adding to this sadness was the name that Rachel gave to her newborn son before she died which was Ben-on-I The translator means son of my sorrow And it's understandable that she would have done something like that. I guess understandable because she experienced, as the Bible says, great difficulty in the birth, which finally claimed her life. Jacob, however, he saw it as as an unsuitable name for the 12th son of the family. And he changed it to Benjamin, which translated means son of my right hand and he was Hmm. and then adding to this bittersweet situation this life experience came another blow to the family when Reuben Jacob's eldest son sleeps with his father's concubine verse 21 22 Israel moved on again and pitched his tent beyond uh, Migdal Edah While Israel was living in that region, Reuben went in and slept with his father's concubine, Bilhah. And Israel heard of it. It's interesting, we don't hear anything else about Israel hearing about it. What did he do about it? I don't know whether he did much about it. It just says he heard about it. But okay, what about, what what was going on here? You know, was this simply an act of, of uncontrolled impulse and lust? at a particular vulnerable time for Reuben and for Bilhar she was part of it obviously was that all it was or was there something else going on here commentators saw it this way Reuben's act was an arrogant and premature claim to the rights of the firstborn in this case the right to inherit his father's concubine it constituted a usurping of the father's role I think that's what was behind this and Reuben paid for his sin because as the scripture teaches us when it came time for Jacob to bless his 12 sons listen to what he said about Reuben in Genesis chapter 49 and verse 4 he says this to him turbulent as the waters you will no longer excel for you went up onto your father's bed onto my couch and defiled it and as a consequence reuben who was the firstborn lost the birthright that belonged to him lost it look at 1 chronicles 5 verses 1 to 2 and he had to give it up to joseph and to judah they inherited it. joseph actually inherited it. and judah the messianic line obviously coming through judah But he lost it and he had to give it up. Sin pays a price, doesn't it? Then from verses 23 to 26, the 12 sons of Jacob are listed. Glad you read those, Coralie. And they, you know, listed, they became the 12 tribes of Israel. Again, interestingly, Jesus chose 12 apostles. 12 tribes 12 apostles and both the 12 tribes and the 12 apostles are mentioned in revelation chapter 21 verses 12 to 14 if you want to take note of that and it's, uh, again there's interesting stuff here there's a lot of 12s mentioned and multiples of 12 mentioned in the book of revelation but more particularly particularly in in revelation 21 Joyce Baldwin in her commentary suggests, she suggests that this has to do with symbolizing the complete church of the Old Testament, comprising Old Testament and New Testament. That makes sense, doesn't it? The Old Testament and New Testament saints, believers in God, in Christ. Because ultimately, there is only one church. Ultimately, there's one bride and there's one marriage supper of the Lamb. And all those who have walked with God back in the Old Testament, New Testament days today, in Christ, faith in Christ. You're part of his one church, the true church. And we will all be together on that day around the marriage supper, the wedding feast of the Lamb. What a day to remember, what a day to look forward to. Amen. Verses 27 to 29, Jacob returns to Hebron where he and Esau perhaps for the first time in a long, long time, joined together to bury their father, Isaac. This would be the third funeral, if you like, for Jacob, recorded in this one particular chapter of Genesis, the third funeral that we have for Jacob in this this particular passage. Let me just come to some final thoughts as we close here. God speaks, doesn't he? And I know he's been speaking to you. Perhaps in ways, well, definitely in ways that's beyond me. But I just want to bring a few final thoughts just for us to think about here. I mean, how incredibly patient is God with you and me? Do you ever say that to God? Lord, thanks for your patience with me. I get it wrong so often. Thank you for being so patient with me. Because I want to put this to you. Are our lives really any different? Are they so much different from Jacob's life as we read about him? In terms of human sinfulness, in terms of our human weaknesses and our failures, are we really much different from Jacob? You know, and just as God persevered, and I love the word pursued, God's been called the hound of heaven. I forget who said that, but he does. He pursues us. How humbling, how amazing. He doesn't, we would just give up. On each other and sometimes we do but God doesn't and just as God persevered with Jacob and brought him to that place of spiritual maturity step by step so this same God in Christ has promised to persevere with you and me and he assures us of this amazing truth let me just read one of these to you listen bake in these words you know be marinated in the word of God listen to what he says here in Ephesians through the apostle Paul Ephesians 2 4 to 6 says this but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it is by grace thank God for his grace It is by grace that you've been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Did you get a hold on that? Can you fathom all that's been said there about us in Christ? I just want to give the last thought words to a commentator called John H. Walton. The NIV application commentary, very good one. And just a few things he says here. He says, we may at times look at where we are in our spiritual walk and feel as if we haven't gotten anywhere. We can feel overwhelmed by our failures and our inability to master the Christian life. But as is evident in his dealings with Jacob, God does not demand instant perfection. But he leads us little by little, making inroads into our self-centeredness. Because brothers and sisters, we are full of self-centeredness. And when we open our hearts to God, he makes those inroads into that self-centeredness. And he does his work in our lives one step at a time. And I just love the fact that Wendy's on that trip. She's on that journey one step at a time. And so are you and I, one step at a time. Can we just pray together now? And, and while we're heads about and eyes closed, can I just ask again if anything that's been said this morning, if any of this resonates with you? You know, while your heads about and your eyes are closed and just listening to God, can, can I just ask you to acknowledge that to the Lord? Not to me or anyone else, that's not important. But your relationship with Christ is the ultimate of importance. Acknowledge to Christ. You might need to say, Lord, take me back to where I first believed you. Could I just ask in these few moments, you just do business with the Lord. You and him alone. Do it now. Talk with him. Let him continue to speak to you. And then I want to encourage you you, that you engage more deeply with him when you get home, when you're on your own, you go into your own room, your closet. Perhaps you might need to meet with someone else that you trust. Continue to grow and listen to what God is saying to your heart and let him have his way, as he did ultimately with Jacob. Father, we thank you for being... An incredible God of patience, of love, of grace, of mercy. Your loving kindness remains forever. Your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And you know our hearts, every one of us. Nothing's hidden from you. Everything is open and laid bare before the eyes of him with whom we must. So help us, we pray, Lord, to continue to grow and and develop and mature in our faith. Help us to trust you one step at a time. And to trust that you are leading us out there in front. And that we can follow you with confidence. Because you're a God of love and you have the best for us. So bless us and continue to lead us on, we pray. That your name would be exalted. And our lives be enriched As we continue to do business with you, we pray in Jesus' name.
0: Amen.